Welcome to the Like a Bigfoot podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward. Uh, hope you guys are off to an amazing start in your new year uh, as we are a week or so. I don't know, like a week and a half into 2018. Uh, I know for me, I've spent a lot of time really contemplating what what are my goals for this year. And, you know, in all aspects of my life, I spent uh, about 40 minutes just writing down every single area of my life, like every area, every relationship, everything that I do. Um, every kind of role that I take in my life. And I mean, by the end of it, I had this giant list and to look at it, you know, just overall is a bit intimidating. You're like, man, like I have a lot on my plate right now. And I have a lot of responsibilities and a lot of different people who kind of, you know, um, I don't want to say depend on me. Well, besides my kids, obviously, but, uh, but a lot of different people in my lives and a lot of relationships that, you know, I want to make sure stay positive and stay healthy. Um, but at the same time, I also have all of these individual goals that I want to achieve. And looking at it just overall was was a bit overwhelming. But when I broke it down into like specific areas of my life, like categories and I categorized everything because that's what we do. As people, it seems to be like we categorize a lot. Um, and I was able to actually very specifically set goals in each aspect, in each area of my life, which was really cool. And it was a way to be a little bit more specific than just setting down and writing New Year's resolutions. Uh, that's a long way of saying I have some lofty athletic goals. Um, that I am eyeing right now. And I haven't pulled the trigger on actually signing up for any of these events or really like stating for a fact that I'm going to go after these goals. But I have a few on, on I'm definitely, you know, kind of looking at right now and considering. Um, and uh, one of them, I believe I talk about in this podcast with today's guest. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to share that with you guys. Hopefully you are in your lives setting your own goals, your big lofty expectations. Um, but even if you do have these lofty goals and lofty kind of, you know, things that you have to accomplish and, you know, for your own self, 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 man, it's, it's like a Friday afternoon. I'm trying to re <laughs> speak uh, your own self image and your own self motivation here. Um, Make sure that your life is still staying in balance because what I realized is when I wrote down all these different areas of my life, I'm like, man, I have a lot, a lot of areas of my life. And, you know, sometimes I have spots that I really focus on. But when you're focused on one spot, it does, you know, uh, it does leave some of the other spots not as not getting the attention they might need. So uh, that's a conversation I have in this podcast with today's guest and we talk about balance work-life balance not really work-life training life balance uh because he is an athlete he's an ultra kind of ultra badass uh he's done a bunch of ultra spartan races and last year he really stepped up to the plate on some really intense races and so uh this i'm joined i'm joined with uh chad spring 
this week. I actually went down. Uh, he lives about 25 minutes south of me. And he spends his Saturday mornings just training like a beast. And by that, I mean just running up a mountain near his house and then sprinting down, grabbing a giant bucket that weighs uh, probably like 80 to 100 pounds and then hiking part of the way up the hill. I think he texted me the stats. By the end of his workout Saturday, the one I joined him, he had done 18-ish miles and uh, just running, and then he did two miles carrying the heavy bucket, um, in which I joined him for probably a third of that. <laughs> um, but so with, with the lofty goals, we do talk about keeping your life in balance and making sure all the areas in your life are getting the attention, not just necessarily the athletic goal. And last year he really stepped up to the plate. He, he, uh, did a few giant races, he did some ultra Spartans, and then he did the never summer hundred K, which is in Northern Colorado. Hint, hint, that might be the one that I'm eyeing. Um, and then he also flew out to Tennessee to frozen head state park and did the Barkley Fall Classic, which is kind of like a souped-up 50K on the Barkley Marathons course. And if you don't know what the Barkley Marathons are, go on Netflix right now. We all have it. Well, most of us, anyways. <laughs> uh, and check out the Barkley Marathons documentary. It's called, I think it's called Barkley Marathons, The Race That Eats Its Young. Um, it's very entertaining. We chat about it a lot in this conversation. Uh, I want to thank Chad because not only did he uh, train with me, he sat down and invited me over to his house to record the podcast. So thank you, man. I really appreciate it. And I'm looking forward to training with you and racing with you uh, in the future. You're awesome. Keep it up. Keep up all the hard work. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. If you guys enjoy this episode, it really does help us out if you go on iTunes and write a review, uh, subscribe to the podcast. We're going to have a uh, episode out every single week with a, a different amazing athlete or an amazing adventure story um, or something like that. And you can always go back and check out our old episodes um, on likeabigfoot.com or by looking up Like a Bigfoot podcast on iTunes or wherever you find and you listen to podcasts. All right. That kind of wraps up the intro here. Let's get into it. Uh, thank you so much. We are doing Like a Bigfoot episode number 76 with Chad Spring. Here, we'll just start. This is the weird part is the start of the podcast. Okay. Like, I never know how to start. Right. So uh, let's start yeah, now. Now. Okay, <laughs> sweet. Um, uh, today I'm joined with Chad, uh, Chad Spring. And we just got done running. Well, I got done running like an hour of his incredibly long workout. So, <laughs> yeah, man. I just we were just talking a second ago, and you're like, "Yeah, I started at 7:45 in the morning." I'm like, "Oh yeah, yeah." Okay. And it's now what 1:15. Yeah. So yeah. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man. I <laughs> thought I'd have you on at like peak exhaustion. Right. Yeah. I definitely have you know race brain or <laughs> training brain, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, so. man. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to kind of like describe like what were you doing today? What's your regular routine like i kind of just want to have you on like what do you train for sure. what events are you shooting for this year and like because you would train incredibly hard <laughs> like i it was i was laughing so hard when i got your text 
because we were planning on doing the podcast, and I'm like, yeah, well, let's go for a run together. And you're like, yeah, what are you thinking? Like 19, 18, 19-ish. <laughs> right, sure. And I was like, how about I do like half of that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. So today uh, I'm just kind of getting back in the in the swing of things here for uh, 2018. <clears throat> and so today was just, uh, uh, I think we ended up doing, what, 18 and a half miles today. So You, uh, well, not we. Okay, true. <laughs> I, I did 18 and a half. Um, but uh, fortunate enough to live you know, kind of right here at the, the foothills of the, of the Rockies, uh, and Southwestern kind of Denver area. So <clears throat> there's a route that, uh, that I love to do, which, uh, you saw today, but it's, uh, it's about a mile and a half, my 1.6 miles up a uh, thousand foot gain. And so I like to, to take that route up and down, up and down and just <laughs> do repeats. So today was five repeats of that. Um, and then between every repeat, was carrying, um, I don't know, 80, 90 pound bucket of sand. A big um, ass bucket of sand. It was, yeah, it was heavy. <laughs> it was big. But uh, as far as Spartan races go, that's, I mean, that's kind of the best workout you can do. Yeah, so. man. Well, so I guess from what I've gathered about Spartan workouts, it's the running aspect because mm-hmm. of the cardio. But then there's a lot of like pull ups people suggested, doing a lot of pull ups, um, a lot of just heavy carries. Right. Is that kind of like the basic training for it or <clears throat> it is, yeah. So uh when and this is kind of getting back to to I guess my roots here. Um I started exploring kind of the world of obstacle racing uh about four four years ago and uh started with Tough Mudder. And did that with, uh, did a couple Tough Mudders with some friends and um, through that discovered I, I had this great passion for it and uh, was always a little intimidated by Spartan Race, you know, because you always, you always hear if you fail an obstacle, you have to do 30 burpees. Yeah. Um, you're running up and down, you know, steep mountains, you're carrying buckets of sand and that always seemed intimidating to yeah. me. And so um, I, I, I got into to one and, and I loved it and it pushed me in a, a different way that I hadn't been pushed before so um yeah i mean they 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 challenge you um they really break you down physically mentally um but it's it's fun and uh, so i kind of started with the shorter distances the three to five mile spartan sprint and i've kind of worked worked my way up into the the spartan ultra um distance which at this point i've only done two spartan ultras i've done a couple other um, mountain ultra trail races. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, the Spartan ultra is, is really kind of where I think I found my, my niche. Yeah. Um, and so in those races, you're right. It's a lot of upper body, um, endurance. Yeah. Uh, so you're, you know, you're rope climbing, you're doing multi rigs, which is, uh, think of like rings to monkey bars, to nunchucks, <laughs> to, you know, pipes, to, um, and the so ninja warrior stuff. Yeah. Kind of ninja warrior esque yeah. type of obstacles. Uh, but then you have your standard, uh, you know, eight foot wall climbs that you have to get up and over. Uh, but then carrying the buckets of sand, um, sand bags, carrying yeah. logs. And Ugh. so, I mean, uh, my motto has always been, if you want to get better at going up and down mountains, and if you want to get better at carrying sand buckets, <laughs> then go up and down mountains and yeah. carry buckets of sand. So <laughs> <laughs> That's sweet, man. What a, I mean... Like, I have so many questions because, first of all, I just completely forgot that you even do, like, the Ultra Spartans, you know? Like, I had you on because I want to talk about the Barkley 
fall classic. Yeah, that was one I did, right? Yeah, but uh, but then I was like, oh yeah, man, he does all these crazy like Spartan <laughs> Ultra stuff. But Spartan races, the biggest difference between them and Tough Mudders is Spartans are actually like races, right? Like they're giving you a time. Is that is that really, or is this? Yeah, just a perception I have. That that's been true um, up until recently. So yeah. in the last year or so, Tough Mudder has implemented a competitive wave. Okay. At, at all of their races, um, where previously they didn't have a competitive heat. So yeah. it was all kind of team focused. It was. Um, I, th- I think they touted it as more as a competition rather than. Or I'm sorry. More of a, um, like I, a I can't think of the word, camaraderie, like a, yeah, camaraderie or something. Yeah. You know, completion, um, more than an actual competition. Okay. Whereas Spartan uh, always touted the, the kind of the competition aspect. Yeah. Of it. Um, and I think Tough Mudder realized that they were missing a little bit of that market. So <clears throat> I, I like that they've added that competitive aspect to it. Um, I have yet to do a competitive Tough yeah. Mudder, but. Um, yeah, I think just because the the Spartan Ultra um, for this year in 2018 is is going to be is going to be my focus. Um, yeah. I've kind of had to narrow down what races I wanted to focus on and what I wanted to accomplish, and so so that's going to be my focus for 2018. But um, yeah, I guess last year to you kind of mentioned the Barkley Fall Classic. Um, 2017 uh, for me was an interesting year. I really delved a little deeper into the ultra world, so. Uh, I did um, the Never Summer 100K. Oh, um, yeah, we totally have to talk about that, too. So, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I was shooting that around. It's like, maybe that's one to sign up for. And I was telling you that while we were running today. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. No, it's, it was amazing. But and we, we can we can get back on that, certainly. Um, and I did a uh, Spartan Ultra in Breckenridge. The uh, And all of those were kind of in lead-up to the Barkley Fall Classic, which yeah. was in September okay. um, last year. And, and that was that was a race that took all that I had physically and mentally. And I think I mentioned to you earlier today that it took me a good month and a half to almost two months to, uh, to really get my, my drive and my motivation back. Cause yeah. after that race, I, I was fatigued, yeah. uh, mentally fatigued, physically fatigued. And, uh, I didn't, I, I needed to get away. I needed to separate myself for yeah. a little bit. And, well, uh, man, I remember, so we ran a fat ass race or run or whatever it's called. Mm-hmm. Uh, and once again, this is the, like, I guess the common theme is you ran like the, the marathon and I backed out at like 15 miles. So I'm like, I'm just starting my training plan. And then we did the same thing today, which was hilarious. I was like, I'm starting a training plan, man. I'll join it for half. But uh, <laughs> um, I just remember that was in October last year. Yeah. And you were talking about like your main goal was the Barkley Fall Classic, which obviously, you know, at this point, I think a lot of people have seen the documentary on Netflix and Barkley's kind of exploded as like sure. a big event yeah that people know about and so you know having heard about that i'm like what like <laughs> that's awesome man so so i remember just i was just i was amazed because that was so incredibly far out mm-hmm. right because when was the barkley fall classic so the and i guess for your listeners the there is a distinction so the uh the documentary on oh, netflix yeah. yeah that's the barkley marathon so that's i think in in april yes. every year and so that is the, you know, the five loop, 160 mile or 100, what, 30 miles ish? Whatever. Over six, ish. 60 hours. Everything's ish everything's in that ish. race. Everything's <laughs> right. 
Um, so that's what the documentary is about. But yeah. but that, I think I've seen that documentary now six times. I mean, it, it's basically like my my personal Bible kind yeah. of. I, I, I love that. I love the documentary. There's so many uh, amazing um, just perceptions that people have and, and life mottos that they live by that that really kind of strikes strikes a chord yeah. with me and it's hilarious <clears throat> like it is. the documentary is one of the funniest movies i saw last year because laz the race director every time he's explaining a rule he'll just <laughs> have this evil smile and a laugh afterwards That's right it, where they're the talking yeah they're talking about like the sacrificial lamb yep where each year they let one person in the race who's completely unprepared and he just <laughs> smiles like yep got that guy <laughs> right right it's true yeah so if if anybody out there has not seen the documentary awesome. check it out the, yeah. the barkley marathons on netflix so i don't know if, it, if it's on itunes or, or any other I, it's on itunes I so i okay. i bought it uh, i've done this on a few like outdoor documentaries okay is i've bought them on like apple tv itunes right. and then like a month later they come on on netflix I'm sure like, ah <laughs> that's all right <clears throat> it's totally worth it yeah but um so the so that's the Barkley Marathons. Yes. The Barkley Fall Classic is in the same location. It's in uh, Frozen Head State Park, so um, it's on the same terrain as the Barkley Marathons. But it is touted as a 50k. Yeah. Again, 50k ish. Yeah. Ish. I think uh, <laughs> people say it's closer to 35 to 38 miles. Gotcha. Um, but it it was an experience uh, of a lifetime. So I was really lucky to, um, when registration opened in late 2016, um, I was lucky enough to, to see that um, right when it opened. So yeah. I was able to register, get a spot, um, train, train my butt off. And like I said, you know, focused on the Spartan Ultras, the Never Summer 100K. So I did a 100K, yeah. 65 miles. <laughs> To prepare for a 50k <laughs> yeah <laughs> because uh, i knew how brutal it was and um did it it didn't disappoint and brutality it, it was it was everything and and more yeah, yeah. i mean yeah. just from the 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 atmosphere of the race of being in you know small town beautiful tennessee um to to laz the race director i mean he was there <clears throat> and and was you know, friendly and, and was willing to talk to anybody that came up to him and, um, you know, photo ops and, and everything. He, he's a, he's a great guy. Um, and so that was just the atmosphere. And then the course, um, you know, it, it started, you know, early in the morning, it was foggy, it was misty. It was kind of eerie as you're yeah. running through the, the smoky mountains. And, uh, it, it just had this mystique about it. Um, and, you know, so we're, we're running along and, um, I don't know, maybe six miles in into the race. Uh, I, I don't want to give too much away because it's it's, <laughs> it's change, secret it every year, <laughs> right? It's like it's like the Fight Club of ultra running, right? right? right. Like I have the map upstairs. I'll show it oh, to you when we. Oh, <laughs> sweet. Okay, I won't take a picture. Anymore. Right. Um, but uh, no, about six miles in, we're running on you know on a natural trail, and then there's an arrow that just points <laughs> down this this power line cut, and uh, you know you stop and you you look down this power line cut that's basically you know a mile and a half down at a Straight you know 45 down. degree angle yeah. through through briars and you're like what <laughs> that's the way i have to go <laughs> and and so you do you just wow. you just suck it up and did you prepare you for the briars because that was part of the documentary that i'm like 
that looks like they showed um what's her name the the couple the abs right the, the, i think it's I, abs right i, I think east so. coast trail or trail so, runners yeah, right and just their legs were completely <clears throat> torn apart i was like what yeah that's insane i i still have scars actually all do over you really? my, I, all over my arms i i do yeah but um no so i actually um so I, I'm, a, I'm a i'm a very methodical guy and i'm a problem solver so i'm an engineer by degree yeah um so i have that that very um kind of engineering mindset so i i viewed the briars as a problem and so I found ways and solutions to to deal with that problem. So, I I bought um, <laughs> Kevlar welders arm <laughs> sleeves. Yeah. And so I had these arm sleeves in my in my Camelback, um, and just through the the excitement and the hype of the race, I never actually stopped. Took off my Camelback and put them on. I just gritted through it. Yeah. Um, so I mean, there were some people that were in, you know, full, um, full long sleeves, long pants, you know, kind of like Kevlar yeah. gear. Um, you, I, I thought that was a little overkill. That's but. what I was wondering. Do you feel like you're missing part of the Barkley experience by not getting <laughs> scratched up? A little bit. Yeah. I mean, there. I, I kind of view the scars as more, more of a metal. Yeah. than the actual metal like itself. Like the red badge you know? of courage, man. Right. Exactly. <laughs> it stays with you forever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's crazy. Also, just to tell people, we're outside Chad's house, so we're doing... I always say, like, my strategy, I'm like, this is an outdoor podcast. Right. So yeah. we can do it outdoors. So it outdoors. if you hear some outdoor stuff, it's like, true. it's all good. Yeah. Some birds chirping. Birds chirping. Nice. Someone was drilling a second ago, but... Oh, that's true. It's all good. But yeah, man, so... First of all, like... Have you ran much out on the East Coast before? On the East Coast, no, no. Um, so I'm originally from Ohio, and we're we're here actually sitting in Littleton, Colorado now. Yeah. Um, so we moved out to Colorado about two and a half years ago from uh, Columbus, Ohio. So uh, you know I'm familiar with Ohio trails, but um, further East Coast, not not really. Yeah. Did you did you trail run in Ohio at all or? <clears throat> a little bit, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, there there are a couple of great events um, just north of Columbus at uh, uh, Rocks and Roots is what they call it. So there's a great trail that goes around uh, Alum Creek, okay. which um, is for for flat Ohio. Uh, they're they're pretty good. Yeah, it's a it's a pretty good trail system. Um, beautiful, and there's a nice you know big lake there. Um, but I had just kind of gotten into trail running, probably the the two years before we we moved <clears throat> so um I, I definitely was not into the ultra distance yeah. in ohio um i mean i had done two road marathons not very quickly um, yeah i feel like <laughs> so. road marathons are almost harder on the body oh, than sure. a trail ultra yeah because you're like going way faster and it's the solid cement i don't know yep I, I think it beats up your joints a lot more. Yeah. Uh, I feel like I was injured. <clears throat> really? Excuse me. Yeah. Um, I feel like I was more injured when I ran on, on the road. Yeah. Um, even with far less mileage yeah. than I am now. So, I mean, I'm running anywhere, depending on my training cycle, 30 to 60 miles a week. Yeah. But my running here is all trail. And, and does I've that been, give a little bit? Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, you don't get that, that repetitive nature that you do on the road. So you don't get that, that, 
cycling fatigue on your your joints and your body yeah well that's what we were talking about earlier running too is um for me if i run flats mm-hmm. i feel like i actually hurt more yeah if i'm going up and down trails like i don't hurt at all because you're constantly switching like which muscle you're using it's not the same exact motion the whole time sure so yeah man yeah yeah but getting back into i guess where i was trying to go with that is um going into the east coast trails especially barkley like like the Barkley area, frozen head area is like notoriously one of the harder spots to trail run. Like what'd you notice about just the, the difference in trail mm. difficulty or <clears throat> I, I mean, it's difficult in a different way yeah. for sure. No, it's very different than here in Colorado. I mean, you know, the trail that we were just on today, is, yeah. it was um, dry, uh, sandy, kind of pebbly, um, but there are a lot of trails here that are very rocky, very rugged, um, but but they're typically dry. Yeah. Um, the the Barkley trails were were very wet, humid, mossy, slippery. <laughs> um, there was actually a point in the race; it was only about two miles in, and um, we were kind of running uh, along the side of a you know, of, of the mountain and, um, it is very wooded. And there was a guy right in front of me who stepped on uh, a large mossy boulder and slipped Ooh. and actually slid down the side of the hill oh. about 10 to 15 feet. And so, you know, people were holding onto trees, like helping him get back up yeah. onto the trail. Um, and that's, you know, that to me, two miles into the race really, put that race into perspective yeah. to me where your footing is, it was crucial. And, and if you're mentally um, not in it or if you lose focus, it was really easy to, to fall and, and injure yourself. Yeah. So. I, I ran a race out there and I didn't see this, but my wife, it was like a loop. So we did like mm-hmm. one loop clockwise and then we went back <clears throat> and my wife was at the finish line, obviously, but she's like, yeah, somewhat, some guy came in just head, gushing just gushing blood down they had to take him to the hospital i was like what and it was the same reason because it was slippery out there and i have to i I wonder if uh the barkley marathons like how when they run that in april how is that different than when they run it in the fall you know like coming out of winter sure there's probably not as much moss but there's probably other challenges like frost and yeah you know that's true i've wondered that because if you notice in the documentary um, a lot of the, the, the growth isn't, is yeah. not there yet, yeah. you know? So the, the trees are kind of just starting to, to bud. Um, it's, you don't have the, the, the thick undergrowth. Yeah. And so, uh, the briars aren't leafy and, and, and green. They're more kind of brown and shriveled up and, and dried. Uh, whereas when you're running it in September, everything is it has a whole season to, to grow and fill in yeah and, and so I, I think it i think it's very different yeah. so i have to ask do you go by the prison in the 50 or i mean i, I know you're not supposed to say anything no i mean <laughs> i mean i think that's one of the i think highlights. that's one of the the big yeah highlights you 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 go actually into the prison so. how does he do that that's what i never <laughs> understood watching the movie i'm like how does he get permission <clears throat> To go in this tunnel underneath the prison. Well, it's not an operating prison. It, it's, oh, it's not. Oh, no, 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 no. That makes way more <laughs> sense now because I was—I never could wrap my head around that. I'm like, does he even tell him? Or okay, so right. it's not operating. It's, no, no, it's it's vacant. Oh, it's, it's empty. 
Wow. Um, so yeah, so we actually ran through the front doors of the prison and no ran way. through the cell blocks, um, back into the courtyard, and what? then and then there was a a ladder over the the courtyard wall that you had to scale up and and over. No way. And then from there, then you went down through the tunnel that you okay, see in, in the, the movie in the documentary. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, I guess you probably don't know, but. I was, when did they shut the prison down? Like, is it recent or is it, has it been forever? Cause I know the whole reason he started the run was because wasn't it like the guy who James Earl Ray. Yes. That, James uh, Earl Ray who shot <laughs> Martin Luther King jr. Or something. Was it that guy? I don't know. This is where I realized I don't know I, anything. I believe, but, <laughs> but like he went to prison if and you're then, wrong. You can edit that part out. Yeah. Some <laughs> jackass escaped from prison and, uh, um, tried to like run away and it you know over a few days and he only made it yeah I, less than 10 miles because it's he, so rugged there. right right yeah and and i don't remember the numbers exactly but it was something like he he made it you know eight miles and it took him like I don't know, two days or uh, something. yeah something crazy like that yeah and so i think the story goes that that laz and uh um uh, some buddies raw, raw dog i think is his, oh, buddy, yeah. his buddy's nickname but but they <laughs> they said at the time that well in that amount of time we could go we could go a hundred miles. Mm -hmm. So that's, and then the, they, didn't they in the document, they ask him like, did you ever, have you ever done the whole Barkley? And he just <laughs> he starts just, laughing. He's like, no, he's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. um, well, only what? 16 people ever, ever have. Yeah. 15, yeah. 16, 17, something Blows like that. Blows my mind. But, uh, yeah. but yeah, man. So what were some of the other highlights of the, without like revealing what the course is, but what, what were some of the highlights of the general r run that day? Um, yeah, so <clears throat> the, the course for the, for the 50 K fall classic is loosely marked. So unlike the, the, Mar the Barkley marathons where you're navigating, you know, hundred percent on your own. Yeah. <clears throat> this yeah. one is, is actually marked. So, um, there are basically arrows where you're supposed to turn. Um, but there really aren't any kind of assurance markers along the way. Okay. So, uh, I think he says, if you go, you know, more than 30 minutes and you don't see a mark, you probably missed a turn somewhere. And as it turns out, uh, there was a group of us that did make a wrong turn. <laughs> uh, we came to a fork in, in the trail and there was no marking. And so we ended up going the, the wrong way, just kind of by chance, um, and ended up getting lost for, for about an hour. Nice. So, um, I feel like it wouldn't be a complete experience unless you got lost. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. When did you realize you were lost? Uh, an hour later when we finally found a marking <laughs> and realized that was not the way that we went. <laughs> uh, but we had to backtrack yeah. and, and go, you know, then we took the other fork in, in the route yeah. and found a marking. So Were you like were you going into it with the intention of like racing or were you more going into it like, hey, I just want to have this cool experience? Uh, a little bit of both. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I was very cautious just yeah. because I, I didn't know what to expect and I didn't want to get halfway into the race and completely blow up and, and not be able to, to finish or, you know, to get into a, a death crawl type situation where I'm yeah. you know, cramping up and crawling through the trails. <laughs> but, uh, the, the way it's structured is you have to hit the, um, there's a checkpoint and Laz is actually at the checkpoint and it's considered the marathon checkpoint. So around 26 ish miles, you have a checkpoint you come to 
and you have to hit that within, I believe, it's nine and a half hours. Okay. If you don't make it to that checkpoint in nine and a half hours, you are relegated to only the marathon. I quote marathon finish. Yeah. If you get to that point under nine and a half hours, you have the option to continue your suffering <laughs> for another eight-ish to ten-ish miles to complete the full 50k yeah. course. So um, even with the hour <laughs> that I was lost, I, I came into the checkpoint at like nine hours and ten minutes, I think it was. Okay. So um, continued on from there. Uh, but it is interesting how when you get to that checkpoint, you you're, you're mentally and, and physically, I mean, you're you're so done at that yeah. point. And so to to willingly put yourself back out there onto the course and knowing that you have another huge climb ahead of you, which I think I think the last I don't know eight thousand feet or so probably had. 2,500 feet of climb um, for that eight miles and, and no GPSs are allowed on the yeah. course. So I, I don't know for sure, but um, yeah, but so to, to already know at that point you have eight miles, you know, 2,500 ish feet of climb. I mean, it could be 4,000 feet of climb. I really don't know, but um, that's, that's a gut check to, yeah. uh, to willingly put yourself back out there and, and not just turn around and go to the finish line and, you know, and, and say you did the marathon. Oh, so it probably, the marathon probably ends like near the finish line. So you're, yeah. Yeah. So the, the checkpoint was, I think like a half mile from the, the actual finish line. Okay. So if you wanted to finish the, you know, if you wanted to call it quits early and finish just the marathon, you basically turned around, went another half mile to the finish line. Gotcha. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I feel like that's what he's good at. Like psychological, <laughs> torture or test like psych uh, this is a psychological test right. like can you guys deal with you know knowing that comfort is right around the corner up yeah. there you know you could have a barbecue out or something you know <laughs> you know and, and it's actually funny shortly after the race uh <laughs> i i inadvertently created some some conflict on the the barkley fall classic facebook page oh really um i I voiced my opinion that I didn't think if you reach the marathon checkpoint, I didn't think that you should have the option. Oh, this just force you to go. Yeah. If you're there before the time, I feel like it's a requirement that you should have to continue on. I think you would see, um, to, to quote Laz's words in, in the documentary, I think you would see some epic failures. Yeah. Um, if that was the case. And, yeah, I don't know. It's just my my personal preference that if you get to that point, that uh, I think you should be forced to continue on. I think it would it would create a whole new dynamic in the race. Yeah, that I think would be really interesting. What was the counter argument to that? Was it just like it's it's hard to <laughs> like this is a mental test at this point? Like, I yeah, I, I think some of the counter arguments were you know every everybody is there. Um with their own goals in mind yeah. and some people are there for the goal of only finishing the marathon. I say only finishing the marathon. I mean, that's, that's, a huge I feel like if you go there but, though, you should take on, and it's just like, I don't know. I feel like you just take it on. I, 
I agree. I mean, you know, yeah. I have a bib upstairs that says the Barkley Mar- the Barkley Fall Classic 50K. Yeah. It doesn't say the Barkley Fall Classic Marathon or yeah. 50K. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I get yeah, you. I feel you. I I would probably be <laughs> definitely on more on your side there, but I think giving the option creates that like, all right, am I going to be tough enough just to keep going? Sure. You know. Yeah. And you know, it's funny because even thinking about what you did today for training, which I'm trying to think are you are you cramping up right now i i did <laughs> i don't know if you could hear the grimace in my voice in my last my last statements there but my right hamstring did cramp up yeah but <laughs> but i was thinking like training prepares you for that because you didn't have to wake up this morning at seven and get out there you know and put yourself through that mental anguish when you're right. like 15 minutes from your house you know what i mean like that's what that's what training is all about is like putting in that mental work sure of like hey I I am basically forcing myself to do this. No one else is forcing me to do this, but I'm going to get it done anyways. Right. And that's that's probably huge, especially playing into like actually finishing a giant event like that. Yeah. But yeah, man, how bad was the last 10 miles? Like were you feeling it? Like how um I actually felt pretty good yeah. in the last 10 miles to be honest. Um I mean, I I think the uh I mean, the, the uphills, I, I was power hiking pretty, pretty good. And, yeah. and the downhills, I was, I was running. And the last maybe two miles were actually pretty flat as you kind of wound your way back to the finish line. And I, I mean, I was running um, with somebody else uh, at the time. We, he and I were kind of both passing each other throughout the whole course, th- the whole day. And yeah. so it was only fitting that he and I were, you know, <laughs> shoulder to shoulder as we, we came across the finish line. Oh, that's awesome. But, um, yeah, I mean, we were probably running, uh, you know, at that point, an eight-minute eight minute pace. Yeah. Um, I didn't expect to be running well, that's sweet. at the end, but, yeah. but we were, and, and so it was great. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Are you carrying your food the whole time? Because there's not really aid stations, right? Well, so at the marathon checkpoint, there, there, is. there is an aid station. Um, but, yeah, that's over, like, 26 miles. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and there actually are aid stations um, – throughout the course okay. uh, i want to say there maybe were three or four okay but um it was really neat they were actually staffed by the local high school football program okay so you know their football players were out coach their coaches were out you know some of the parents were out and um some of the proceeds from the race went towards this high school's uh, athletic yeah um fund <clears throat> so so that was really neat and uh, I think it was, it was probably really beneficial both ways for the racers as well as for those, you know, the kids that were volunteering to help out at the aid stations. Um, it was, I think, probably motivating, yeah. motivating both ways. I was so. just imagining, because I used to coach football for like freshmen, and I would just, if they were tired during a game, after seeing people do that race right. i would just give them so much crap i'd be like you guys are not tired do you remember <laughs> you like do you guys remember, remember like people? a month ago when those guys were like covered in scratches and just like going yeah. up hills all the time you know yeah. i'm sure just seeing that honestly just seeing people accomplish that has to like help their mentality out too right you know yeah no i i think so too and uh i mean hopefully they they get something out of it from a, a motivational and inspirational yeah. standpoint yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I know we we certainly did. I mean, without without their selflessness, without their help, it, we would probably still, you know, what 
four months later would probably still be stuck in those woods. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, that's awesome. So yeah, man. What? Uh, like, I guess it's at the Frozen Head State Park. So how far right. away is that right. from like an airport, like or a oh. city? Like, what'd you eat afterwards? I guess did you go into a town or? So, um, I cannot think of the. Your kiddos are right there. Oh yeah, I see my kids. <laughs> Hi guys. <laughs> Um, I can't think of the town name right now, but, uh, there was a little town right there. Uh, I mean, they have, you know, pizza places and, nice. and whatever, but I, I do remember after the race called up on my, on my drive back to the, the little cabin where I was staying and, and got a pizza, took it back, devoured it. Yep. It's probably the best pizza of my life, but <laughs> that's what we were talking about earlier too. We're like at the end of a race, like pizza, I I I was saying I had a cardboard pizza once, like a Jack's pizza. Yeah. Best pizza I've ever had. Right. And I probably ate it in two minutes. Yep. And and beer we were talking about too. Like whatever the beer is at the end of the race, you're always gonna it's always be always like, the best beer. That was the best beer I've ever had. In my I whole mean, life. It, being being rungry yes. is uh it, it's a <laughs> That's true. marvelous thing. Wow. Yeah, you're right. And yeah. I eat, you know, five meals a day anyway. Yeah. So it, <laughs> well, and I'm sure true. like even through the race, even though you're eating the whole time you're not just sitting down having a meal, which no, I guess that's right. what I want to talk about with the never summer hundred K. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Okay. Cause I've never, I've never stepped up to the plate of a hundred K before. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, I think I did one, a 50 miler that was really 56. So it's close. Right. But, but yeah, I mean, just food wise, are you eating a meal in the middle of the race at some <laughs> point or are you just snacking continuously? So, <clears throat> so Never Summer has phenomenal aid stations. Okay. Uh, I mean, they had they had grills going at the aid stations. There was bacon. There was grilled cheese. There was pizza. I mean, they it was it was phenomenal. So, yeah. uh, I I didn't really want to rely on aid stations because uh, I mean, if you end up doing the Never Summer, like you said, it'd be your first hundred k. That was my first hundred k. Um, and only one that I've done, but, um, I wanted my own food yeah. that I knew wouldn't hurt your stomach. W- right. Wouldn't yeah. upset my stomach. Um, and so I had, uh, a great, uh, pair of, of guys that helped crew for me, uh, Nate and Jameson. They, they were awesome. But, um, so they had, um, you know, food that they would bring to the aid stations to replenish my stock. Uh, and that, that worked out really well. I did find myself though, towards the end of the race, not wanting yeah. to eat Ugh. the same stuff again. Yeah. So, you know, I, I would dive into the, the big bag of chips or the, uh, um, the grilled cheese. Yeah. I did discover <clears throat> during that race that Snickers bars are now my absolute <laughs> go-to <laughs> candy bar, candy bar for, for ultra races. Yeah. Snickers bars really are the best candy bar. Like if you think about it, like just, <laughs> just uh, in general, objectively, yeah. <laughs> they have everything. They have chocolate, they have the peanut butter, yeah. caramel, man, they got, they got peanuts in it. They got it all. Right. Yeah. It's true. I yeah, just true. honestly don't think of a, cause I don't eat candy bars that much, but if I did, I would totally go for a Snickers. Yeah. You know, or like a Reese's. Reese's are good. Yeah. Yeah, they're okay. They're okay. <laughs> I realized in ultra races before, like, just boiled potatoes rolled in salt. Oh. At the I didn't time, do that. that's what I want. I just wanted salt. Sure. And that tasted so good to me. Okay. Just in the middle of a race. Yeah. So I usually go with that or just straight up ginger ale. 
mm-hmm. at an aid station. That's, the carbonation is good. Yeah, it doesn't matter how upset my stomach is. Ginger ale will always be amazing. Sure. And well, if you do the Never Summer, um, yes. I mean, it's it's a, a a gnarly race. Which I say that word not not intending it to be a pun because it's put on by the Nar. Oh, is it runners? Really? <laughs> yeah, G N. Yeah. Okay. Um, but but it's yeah, it's rugged. It's rough. It's high altitude. Uh, I mean, there's an area leading up to the highest point, which is over 12,000. Um, and, and there's, a, yeah, there's a part where maybe for half to three quarters of a mile, you're just scaling just straight up, um, above tree line, you know, this, this part of the mountain and you're on all fours. It's, it's rocky. You know, there are runners ahead of you that are kicking rocks loose Ooh, and they're rolling yeah. down the hill. Yeah, and so people scary. are yelling, you know, behind themselves to, to make sure that, you know, it's not going to hit anybody. And, um, and we got up to the top and to me, this was the, this was the highlight of the race. So we get up to the top and there's actually a band. No way on the mountain, on the mountain. <laughs> I think it was two, two or three, two or three guys that were up there, a uh, guitar player, uh, somebody with a little snare drum yeah. and yeah. And a trumpet. So I think there were, there were three, and uh, and they were just up there, just, just playing, out. playing music, and and it was such an amazing boost of, yeah. of energy. Um, and then there was also uh, a bottle of Jack Daniels that, helps that you could too. you could take a swig of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that helped, but <laughs> that like is a double like kills the pain, gives sugar, right? You know, it's yep. a little bit of both. Yeah, yeah, numbs the pain a little bit. Yeah, yeah. But. So where's Never Summer like? Where does it start at? What city is it by? I honestly don't know anything except that I saw it on Ultra Sign Up last week. Okay. And I was like, hmm, <clears throat> this is perfect timing for me. It's uh, it's spectacular. It's not actually near much of anything. Mm-hmm. Um, it's north of Rocky Mountain National Park. Yeah, right? so geographically, okay. it's kind of northwest of Rocky Mountain National Park. And uh, it's in the Never Summer Mountain Range uh, within state forest state park Mm -hmm. which is kind of an odd an odd name but state forest state park yeah and and it's yeah it's rugged um it's beautiful uh we ran through a couple of um cattle ranches okay where like the cattle are just roaming yeah and so (laughs) we we actually ran through uh that area as nightfall was coming um so we have our headlamps on and you're running through these trails and it's dark and you hear just these random moos yeah. coming from all around you. <laughs> um, and as you shine your headlights around, you just see pairs of eyes like in the woods and there it's just cattle yeah. just throughout the woods. Yeah. Um, which is, was pretty funny and kind of an odd, an odd thing. That's but. a thing out here though. Like, cause they'll let, you can have cattle roam through state forests. Mm, okay. So ranchers will just kind of release their cattle. Um, into the state forest and then round them up later in the year. Um, which me and my wife learned because we had this awesome, like there's this really cool trail in Southern Colorado called to uh, Wheeler geologic area. Mm -hmm. And you should check it out if you haven't, it's like a 17 mile trail. And my wife and I stayed there and we're like, we'll throw out the tent by the trailhead, you know, camp out. Yeah. And we're, it's like 20 miles from town, just on the road. Mm -hmm. And then you throw out the tent and we're the only people out there and we're making lunch or dinner or whatever. I thought you were, Never mind. I thought you were going a different direction with, with, with that. (laughs) No, no, no. uh, (laughs) No, we're making dinner and all of a sudden, like 
40 cows come in, <laughs> but then there's like 10 bulls with like giant longhorn oh, yeah. cattle and they're just staring us down. And so anyways, long story short, we decided not to sleep in the tent that night. We slept huh. in the tiny Jeep, just horribly uncomfortable because sure. the bulls just were like not leaving our area. I'm like, they're going to like gore right. us, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah true. <laughs> but, but yeah, man. So it's, so it's through that state park, which I've heard of before. Mm-hmm. Um, and then how, lo- how often are you above tree line in the race? Um, because I know it's pretty high altitude. It's, it's pretty high. Yeah, I I want to say, not not for all that long. Okay. Um, it's kind of right in the middle, maybe the front third of the race. But uh, I don't know. I'm I'm totally guessing yeah. here. But maybe maybe five or six miles okay. worth. Was there any worry about the afternoon thunderstorms or lightning or anything like that? No, we had great weather. Okay. So I I, I think that was just by chance yeah but uh but i could see you know weather can change pretty quickly once you're you're in the range but yeah. um yeah no we we lucked out with with weather it did get a, a pretty chilly at night oh yeah <clears throat> i gotta imagine but, yeah i think it, it was probably 40 i think 40 degrees and you finished in the dark so like what time oh, yeah. about yeah. what time did it start and what time did you finish so i i think it was in maybe a seven okay seven o'clock start maybe um and it took me 21 hours which was drastically slower than i had anticipated <laughs> yeah. so someday i will get redemption on this race <laughs> yeah <laughs> but uh, 23 hours was the cutoff for a western states 100 qualifier so um Oh, yeah. so even if you finish before twenty three, you can enter the lottery. Correct for, for Western, Western States. States. Yep. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. So, but I think the cutoff for the entire race it was twenty four hours. That's what I, I saw think. online. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. But <clears throat> you, you, yeah. So, uh, if you want to get into that, you mentioned just having some crazy like heartburn oh, during yeah. the race. So, uh, you know, my my legs felt you know as good as they can with uh you know 24,000 feet of elevation change <laughs> and 63 miles um so my legs felt as good as they could have but um yeah i had some really bad um kind of acid reflux indigestion in my kind of upper upper esophagus um, yeah not to get too graphic but uh <laughs> so i battled that so i i was kind of death marching for the last six hours of the race um running really started to aggravate it um and and so yeah it was just a kind of a miserable experience luckily nate and jameson pulled me through i i had them walk in front of me so that i could you know with my headlamp just kind of have my head down and just see their feet in front of me <laughs> and just just trudge along yeah. and and eventually you know I'd get to the finish line uh and and i did so 21 hours uh i think was I don't even know what place it was. I mean, it was yeah, 130th at a certain point. Like that, that's <laughs> that's what I've had in race, like really long ones too. Where at a certain point, yeah. I'm like I don't even care. Like I just want to finish and have this cool experience, right? Right. You know, and not so. Like I mean, I guess you suffer a lot, but you're like I don't want to get injured. Yeah. I guess, but right. Yeah. Well, and and also, I mean, I'm I'm not. And maybe this is a little bit of background, not to totally change the subject here, but a little, I guess, background on me, so your listeners kind of know 
who I am and where I come from. I mean, I'm not an elite runner at all. Um, I mean, I'm, you know, an average, an average guy, uh, a dad, um, husband, you know, I, I work a full-time job. So this is a, a hobby for me. And, um, and it's, you know, I've had, I've had some, some mild success. Yeah. Um, certainly getting into the hundred K realm. Um, I mean, you, you see some athletes that are seasoned ultra runners that know what they're doing <laughs> and, uh, and they have that, that kind of, you know, long, long endurance, uh, which is impressive. And, yeah. and I hope to someday get there, but, um, for the time being, you know, last year I, I pushed the envelope, um, as far as the amount of time that I trained and the, you know, races that I did. And so, you know, that sacrificed time away from the family. And so, 2018 is for me kind of a refocus on on all of that and yeah putting my priorities kind of back in line so um so i am not doing any races over a 50k distance yeah for the kind of foreseeable future and the uh the 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 family agreement is um once my kids can crew for me, <laughs> then uh, <laughs> then I can start getting up yeah. in 100K, 100-mile, 50-mile distance. So, you got to start teaching them how to crew. I know, yeah. They're, <laughs> they're five and three right now. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, what, another year? Yeah, they'll be fine. Four-year-old crew, that'd be perfect. Uh, riding the tricycle to each aid station. <laughs> right. There you go. Exactly. Um, no, I get it, man. I totally get it. Did you like self-reflect? You know, you, you talked about after the Barkley – fall classic just having a couple months of i mean it takes so much focus meant and it's not even the physical training all the time it's just mm -hmm. like the mental focus that you're putting into doing a major event like that um and then you get done with the event and all of a sudden you just like relax or like yeah. you said you kind of just don't want to go back into training as hard because you don't you know how much energy it takes and you need that time off right right like did you spend a little bit of that time really reflecting and thinking about like what do i want to do in the future like um no not really right I, so i um I, i've kind of over the years um realized uh that low points are common yeah and you can't fight them i i think they're they're healthy. Uh, I think uh, an off an off season. When I say off season, I mean you know not constantly pushing long distances, you know, but still keeping up with with your base fitness. Yeah, um, is good. So I kind of viewed after the the Barkley Fall Classic that I needed that downtime, and and my mind just you know the focus wasn't there, and so I, I didn't stress about it. I didn't I didn't try to force it i knew it would come back yeah um and it did it took you know it took a month and a half or so but um luckily there's a a group that uh that i'm closely associated with uh, you could maybe call it a team um relentless ocr okay so uh we're we're all uh, we all have roots back in ohio indiana area nice and so we're basically a, a group of guys and, and girls i think we're now i think we have 15 16 i don't know i don't remember how many members 16 yeah. ish members but um yeah we're all kind of like-minded individuals that are driven um to perform and we all started focused on obstacle racing and um 
you know, we're all, we're all dads, we're all husbands, uh, you know, wives, uh, full-time workers. So none of us are elite full-time athletes. Some of us have, you know, some sponsorships and ambassadorships and, and so forth, which, which is, which is great. Um, but having that network and, and that kind of core team that, that I can bounce my struggles off of and we can keep each other motivated and, and that's, that's been really, really big yeah. for, for me. So it helps drive you to seeing other yeah. people accomplish, like not, and it's different from being jealous to being inspired. So there's that like fine line you got to walk yeah. when you see everyone signing up for all sorts of races and you're like, Oh man, I wish I could do that too. But, um, you know, just having friends or having a community that, that are out there pushing themselves kind of makes you like, Oh cool. I want to be a part of this too. Like I want to push myself as well, right. which is super cool. So yeah, you're, you're focused mostly on the Spartan ultra is your big race this year or. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of focusing right now on, at least three okay. Spart- Spartan ultras um, in the end of April is the New Jersey. Uh, I forget what they call it. Yeah. I, I guess the New Jersey Spartan ultra. <clears throat> and then in August is the Breckenridge okay. ultra. And that, that one, even, uh, even for me, and I live here at 6,100 feet elevation Breckenridge, the town is at like 9,000. Yeah. And so the race starts up even, even higher yeah. on the ski hill. <laughs> yeah. So I think the race starts at like, you know, 9,800 and it, it goes up to over 11,000. That's crazy. And so, yeah, I mean, the altitude's even, you know, even a concern for, for those of us here. No, I know. That's what, like, people don't realize they're like, you live in Denver, you should be fine with altitude. And you're like, no, man, like, honestly, if I want to get altitude training, I have to drive an hour into the mountains. Sure to get to like actual big peaks, you know? I mean, we we are lucky that we're better off than than people coming from, you know, the Midwest or East coast or West coast, you know, coming to this area. We're better, better acclimated, but it's still not easy. It's still hard. It's, it's noticeable. I was listening to somebody and I have no idea who it was. There's some athlete out here, like in Boulder area, Mm -hmm. but they were talking about like, that once a week they'll go up into hmm. and by boulder is the indian peaks wilderness right. where you can get into the big peaks but they'll just do it once a week and they said they were fine okay with altitude just from doing that, that so that's good yeah um maybe an idea but right. sweet man well i guess time to wrap up the podcast sure. um this is how we've been ending recently um is just kind of asking asking the guest uh if there was like one takeaway, one like actionable thing people listening to the podcast could do and apply to their own lives, what would be something you would recommend? Boy, that's, that's a good question. And, uh, I feel like you can go so many different ways. You with could, that. you could just um, say walk up a hill with a big bucket <laughs> full of sand. Yeah. I mean, it, I, I recognize I, I'm so fortunate to to live here with easy access to Dude, that. Yeah, and I, I so m- wanted to mention that. There's like 30 <laughs> miles of trails here. I Just driving over to your house, there's like people on horses, people <laughs> right. mountain biking, people running. I'm like, man, this has to be the most fit neighborhood in the whole. It's, it's the culture here for sure. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, but no, I mean, I I, I would like to, to tell people, you know, if, if, if Spartan races or, or obstacle races are your thing and you want to get better at running up and down mountains, then go run up and down mountains. Yeah. But everybody t- can't do that. Yeah. You know? Um, so you, you have to be 
creative, I guess, with how how you want to train. Yeah. Um, so I guess to answer your question, I could go that route or I could go with the <laughs> life balance route because um, 2017, you know, even though there were some successes with finishing fifth at the Breckenridge Ultra or yeah. finishing third at a, a 30K race out in California, um, I mean, there were some successes, but those came at a cost. Um, you know, I sacrificed t- time away from my wife, away from my kids, and that was hard for them, and that was hard for me. And yeah. so um, I guess maybe to answer your question, um, maybe there are two parts to the answer. And yeah, so man. one is make sure to, to keep your priorities in line. And and I, I kind of strayed from that. Um, yeah. And so 2018 is about uh, fostering the relationships and the things that are really important in life. So... Um, so everybody should keep that in mind. Yeah. You know, whatever's important to you from a personal level, th- those personal interactions, your family, your friends, like that, that's a core importance in, in your in your life. And that could affect your racing more because like just generally being at peace mm-hmm. with every like and being at balance with all the areas of your life makes racing <clears throat> for me anyways, it makes racing seem easier because I'm like, okay, like I know everything else is under control. Right. I only have to focus on one thing. You're not like distracted or whatever. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's one answer to your question. The other part of that is, um, I, I guess be, be creative with, with your training. Uh, don't get into a rut. Yeah. Um, you know, complacency is, is the, the, the poison that keeps you from, um, from progressing. So, uh, you know, if you don't have the luxury of, of hills, um, you know, get on a treadmill and um, a, a workout that I'll still even do on a treadmill, even though I, you know, we have great access here to, to actual hills and mountains. But I'll get on a treadmill and um, run for three quarters of a mile and then set it at a 15 or 20 percent incline, depending yeah. on what your treadmill goes to. And while it's at that incline, power hike, holding you know, 25 pound dumbbells in each hand oh, or nice. 30 pound dumbbells in each hand and just power hike for a quarter mile. And then when you get, you know, at the end of that quarter mile, put it back flat, run for three quarters of a mile, bump it up to 15% power hike with weights for 15 yeah. um, or quarter of a mile and just keep repeating that. Yeah. Um, you know, do it for an hour, do it for two hours, you know, yeah. what, whatever. And, and that really, really builds some great kind of base level fitness. Yeah. So yeah, switch it up, be creative, have fun. Um, you know, if, uh, if you're curious, uh, follow relentless OCR oh, yeah. on Facebook. Cause we, we post a lot of, um, you know, workouts, uh, a lot of kind of creative things that people can, yeah. can look at and, and try out. Where so. can people follow you on, on all that stuff too? This is why yeah, I need to get yeah. better at this at the end of podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I always forget. <laughs> uh, so that's interesting. So, uh, I'm trying to think what my what my Facebook oh, shit. handle is here. If you don't remember, I can always just add it in. Yeah, like you, an outro or something. Sure, yeah, you can add it. But um, it's uh, Chad Spring. Um, yeah. On, on Facebook, and I, I think it's. I don't know. You, you can find Isn't me. Isn't it t- like Chad, O S U? Yeah, Chad S O S U. Okay. That um, I think that's my Instagram. I didn't connect handle. it to Ohio State until yeah, right now. Go Bucks! That's right. <laughs> Chad S O S U for Ohio State University. Gotcha. But, uh, I gotcha. So yeah, you can find me on Instagram, Chad S O S U. You can find me on Facebook. Um, and then Relentless OCR. Re- Relentless OCR. Um, yeah. 
that's that's our team. Sweet so. man. Well, here's yeah. the weird part of the live podcast where I'm like, hey, well, we'll see you later. Even though I'm sitting <laughs> at your house with you in right. your backyard. Chris, thanks so much. Yeah, man. <laughs> see you. Thanks. We just shook hands over the podcast. <laughs> All right, uh, huge thanks again to Chad. Thank you for joining uh, the Like a Bigfoot community and the Like a Bigfoot podcast. Um, if you want to do a workout like Chad, all you have to do is somehow force yourself to go uphill and carry something really heavy. Do that over and over and over again, and your legs, like I gotta tell you, when I was, like I, like I said, I joined him probably for the last third of his training. I was running up the, it was about a half mile little road up to where the loop starts, where he's running. And I'm like, is that Chad? Cause I was, you know, I'd met him once before. I'm like, I'm trying to remember what he looked. Well, and I'd seen him on Facebook, but all of a sudden I'm like, just seeing this guy's gigantic legs as he's like stretching and like kind of shaking out some of the pains from the previous like four laps he's, he already did till at that point. So yeah, man, grab something heavy go up a hill, do that a bunch of times, and you're going to become a beast. Um, something worth noting also is halfway up the hill, Chad points out a track in the dirt. And it was a gigantic mountain lion paw. And he's like, yeah, man, we've had mountain lions in this neighborhood. Uh, you know, one of my neighbors had seen one while he was riding his bike and all that stuff. And I'm like, that's just extra training. You know, like the extra mental training here of like, oh, yeah, I'm in mountain lion territory. It's a little bit keeps you a, a tiny bit on edge a little bit, which which might be the edge you need, that competitive edge you need. I don't know. You know. Um, all right. Well, uh, yeah, make sure you're checking out uh, if you're interested in what Chad's up to. You can follow him on Instagram at Chad S O S U, which we learned the O S U stands for the Ohio State who uh I mean never mind I'm not gonna add that in for Chad but all I gotta say is look up the Iowa Iowa State or Iowa Ohio State football score this year and he's probably I'm probably gonna eat my words next year (laughs) I hope not (laughs) but uh but yeah man um for everyone listening out there I just hope you guys are off to a really good start I know um if you're in the midwest right now it's super cold um, I, over Christmas break, there was below freezing temperatures back in Iowa. And I know those moments are the ones where it gets difficult to train. And I know that because it is also difficult for me to train. So, you know, I've been waking up at 4 a.m. for probably the last five years during the week to go somewhere, either go to the gym, go outside, go for a run. Um, and recently going for a swim in the morning, but, but man, when it gets that cold, the alarm goes off and you do not want to get out of, from under your just amazingly warm, comfortable blankets. And it's a struggle every time, even for like, even though I've been doing this for five years, it's a struggle when my alarm goes off to actually get up and get moving. In fact, this morning I lost the battle, the daily battle to that struggle where my alarm went off. I went downstairs, chugged a couple glasses of water, was getting ready to go to the gym. And then the little sneaking thought came in, which was, or you could go to sleep for another hour and a half. 
and I gave in to the thought. Because sometimes, you know, sometimes you can't always just keep that, like, um, stoic, just drive forward, like, no, no matter what. Um, but I gave in, and it's difficult, man. But the problem becomes, so once in a blue moon, it's not a big deal. Uh, but the problem becomes it when you're doing it repeatedly. If that becomes a habit, and you're like, you know what? And, and you look back and you're like, I've skipped my workout for like a month now just because it was cold in the morning. Um, so just keep that in mind. Be aware of that. Put on an extra sweatshirt and you'll be fine. Uh, put on some extra gloves. Go to the gym. I know the treadmill sucks, so do something different. That's why I'm swimming so much right now in the winter months because I just wanted to do something different, you know? If you don't want to, if you want to stay in shape, but you're like, I can't run, I can't get motivated to run on the treadmill. That's okay. Like there's other ways to stay in shape. Go do something else, you know, find something else that you, you find fun and exciting and that you're passionate about because otherwise you're going to lose that battle every single day. But if you're waking up and you're like just jacked and like super pumped to get out there and get, get moving in some form or, or the other, I mean, you're gonna, you're gonna win, win the, win the waking up battle, the alarm battle 90% of the time. So anyways, that's my advice this week. Go get them. Have a great weekend guys. Um, we'll be back at you next week. We are talking with, uh, speaking of Iowa Hawkeyes, we're talking with Iowa Hawkeye fullback Drake Kulik, who has a great, uh, journey and a great story to share. Uh, a lot of ups and downs throughout his career, and then he ends it with a game-winning touchdown in the bowl game. So uh, awesome story. Really enjoyed talking to Drake. So come back next week. We'll get into that episode then. All right, see you guys.